theyeshiva.net. Peri Gimel. Peri Gimel, Daf Lamed Vav, Amad Aleph, Parshas Kiseitze, or page 71. Distinguish here translations. The revelation that a person's life as a result of winning the first phase of the war. First phase of the war is that which the nefesh can accomplish on its own, with its own, on its own, of course, means with what Hashem has given it, but with its own resources, its own kaychas. And what a person then could come in touch with is gilui ha'oras nekudus halev. Gilui means to access, to be in touch, to, to consciously come in contact with. That your antenna should detect your energy in a conscious way. So this is Gilui Ha'oras Nekudas Halev. That there should be a Ha'ara. A Ha'ara means, of course, a ray, a glimmer, an expression of Nekudas Halev. Nekudas Halev is the core of the heart, the Pnimiyas Halev. In the language of Perik Aleph and Bez, there is the love or the relationship that the soul builds or the soul develops or cultivates as a result of becoming aware of how intimate Hashem is with every nivra, that not only intimate, that is the mitzvah of every nivra, and that is what, the has, what a person could be masik, of course each person on their own level, and of course it's limited, but every person could somehow wrap their brain, their soul around that reality of Hashem as the cosmic consciousness, what we called in the language of uh, of Chsidis or of Zohar, really, Memale Kol Alman. And then there is the Pnimiyas Halev, right? The Nekudas Halev, which is rooted in the Soiv of Kol Alman, what he called the Elekus Shebenefesh, Hamazgalu B'Pchinas Yechida, the fact that there is an, an Elekus in the soul, beyond, <coughs> beyond just intellectual or cognitive uh, perception, where the soul has this yearning just to melt away in the bosom of its father, not to melt, that the soul should pour out in the bosom of its father, that's the p'china of soiviv kalalman in the nefesh, the mili b'ashamayim v'imchalei and that's the gilui, that's p'nimiya salev, or nekuda salev. So he says, when you have that first phase, you can reach the second phase. Gilui ha'oras nekuda salev. 
the gilui of the ray at least, of the Nekudah Salev, which allows the person to transform the garments of thought, words, and actions, bezelo umazeh, in his counterpart. Because as we said, there's two souls, and zelo umazeh, the Pasuk says in Kahelas, every force in the world has a counterforce. Every reality has a counter-reality. Every action has what we call a reaction. Every thesis has an antithesis. Every shalom aleichem brings back an aleichem shalom. Every svara has an ibchem estabra. So the way of life is, you have an experience. The Gemara says, Lek ksuva rama tigra. There's no ksuva without a quarrel, without a fight. Every experience, there's always a counter-experience. There's a zelu umazah. There's an akuda of opposition. There's something that tries to undermine it. So therefore, machshava dibra you have it from the side of Kedusha, and you have it from the side of Klippa, you have the Nefesh Alekis, and you have Nefesh Abamas, and the person has to choose every day which mode they're going to go into, which operating system is going to come to the fore, on which level of consciousness you're going to operate. Ha'aras Nekudas Halev allows a person to reorient the garments of machshava dibra of the Lu'umaza, and he says, furthermore, and here's the key, to gather the faculties of the nefesh alakis, which I'm a fuzer, but pizur ha nefesh. What is pizur ha nefesh? Pizur nefesh literally means the scattering of the soul. It's a lovely expression. A soul is scattered. Pizur ha nefesh. Pizur ha nefesh means a person who's everywhere. Your soul is scattered. You know, when your mind is scattered, it's it's broken into hundreds or thousands or millions of pieces everywhere. It's like when a person's mind is absolutely chaotic. You're here and you're there. And your whole soul is scattered. Here what he's referring to is Pizur HaNefesh B'Levushim HaHem. The fact that we learned before that Galu Edem Imam that your soul's energy is actually scattered in those Levushim, in the Machshava Dibra Maiseh. You're feeding off the energy of the Nekudas Halev, of the Pnimi Halev, because Galul Adam Shechine Imam, even when you go in Galus, the Nitzutz Alakus also goes into Galus. And therefore, what happens is the Nefesh has to be retrieved from being scattered in all of the person's garments of the words and thoughts and actions of the Lu'umaz of the Nefesh of Bahamas, because it's Koiches and Ha'aris, Bilvad, Heim Shem Espashta Belavushim Halalu. They come in, they are, uh, they permeate in these. These levushim, while Zanemar on this, the pasuk says, "Im yi yenida chacha b'ktsei hashamayim, misham yekabetzcha Hashem alakecha, misham yekachecha." Moshe Rabbeinu tells the Yidden in Sefer Dvarim before the end of his life, even if your nidachim, the outcasts, will be at the edge of the heaven, from there Hashem will gather you and take you back. <coughs> so he teaches this al pipshat. It's talking about geography. Wherever the Jewish people are, they will be brought back. He is referring to it, as usual, emotionally, psychologically. Your own nidachacha. Sometimes a person is cast away from themselves, a part of themselves. They're completely, they're hurled, they're thrown away. Who are these nidachim? Nidachim is hema'aras ha'koiches ha'mespashtus menaneshama. It's the koiches that come from the neshama, the energies that come from the soul, is pashat. They end up, all is slabish, they become enclosed, beguv and nefesh abahamas. In the body and in that beastly soul, berabas machshavas with tremendous amounts of thoughts. Hatard is that overwhelm, umavalbalis and confuse, umapilois and defeat, esa adam the person, li mashech to be drawn into them. 
As it's known from the concept of dreams and kaf hakela. What is kaf hakela? Now you'll hear what kaf hakela is. It's when you have garments that dress up the soul from head to toe. To the point that the soul is now tied in captivity. Asura from the word matir asurim, right? It's imprisoned, it's tied. And it's kshura, it's connected by him in those garments. Vahakibutz, to do the kibutz, misham yikabetzcha. You want to retrieve all the sparks of the soul. Oh, ha'aras gilu nekudas halev. So when you have a re'i of the nekudas halev. Shemebchin is soivav kalam in the yav in leimala elai, de dekata lechivya keneskelel. This is from the daughter of the king that you're given as a gift by doing your work of killing the snake. You come to phase two and you get the gift, the daughter of the king. The daughter of the king means you, your own Nekuda, your own, the princess in you. The Nekuda Tzioin, the Nekuda of Knesset Yisrael, that's the Beshuv Chalot coming back to Tzioin. Tzioin is the Nekuda's Pnemius Halev. When the person has that, the, all the sparks of the Neshama gather back to their source. He brings here examples of Chaloimus and Kafakela. Kafakela for those who uh, you're familiar with kafakela, kafakela literally means a uh, a slingshot. Ah, huh? a what? Hollow of the sling. The hollow of the sling, right? The kaf is the hollow of the kela of the sling. It says about Shaul, right? He was such a great uh, archer. He shot his arrows, but he never missed. Koleya, we say koleya alasayne. Mamish, exact. You, you, so kafa kela the hollow of the swing, sling, sling, sling. Yes. So how do you touch it? So kafa kela is brought as one of the einshim, as one of the punishments that happens to the neshama in the next world. So now tell us what they taught you. What kafa kela is? <laughs> Let me hear what they told you. Huh? So what did the teacher say to you? What's going to happen to you? And what does it feel like? So it's a Gemara in Shabbos, Kafakela, that basically they told him they'd put the Neshama in the spoon, or actually a slingshot probably, he said. And you go, whoop! And you go, the Gemara says, So whoever does it, knows exactly what he's doing because he gets you from one side of the world to the other side of the world. And that's considered one of the punishments of the neshama. It's called kaf hakela. The neshama is in a swing and it's thrown. As usual when you're dealing with these things, these are metaphors, they're symbols. For, 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 first of all, the neshama is not a physical entity. So if it's not a physical entity, you don't put it in a sling and it doesn't get slung from one side of the world to the other side of the world. You don't put it in a spoon, you don't put it in a sling. Second of all, the chalal, the whole concept of Olam Haba, is an Indian Ruchni, it's not an Indian Gashmi. It's not a physical, material reality we're talking about. It's a perspective. It's an idea. And third of all, what's the point? What's the point? Take a person, put them in a sling, boom, what is it? Stomp torture? Torture for the sake of torture? What's the point? Because it's a creative way. The Inquisition was into this. The Inquisition in Spain was into creating creative ways of how to torture people. Right? 
Chalila that one should attribute this quality to God. Like, oh, he found a nice, creative way. Oh, I'll teach you a lesson. If you don't do this, I'll put you in a sling. Now you'll become a part of my sling exercises and experiments. Obviously, we're, we're talking about a toichen de So here, in very brief words, he gives us an understanding. Kafakela can happen in this world. Fakert, it happens in this world. Because it happens in this world, therefore it happens in the next world. Because the next world is basically, they open the curtains and you see what happened in this world. That's what the next world is. You see what happened in this world and you have to deal with it. You have to confront it. You have to spit it out. As in good, what we call good heavenly therapy. What is this concept? The Kafa Keller represents, I hear, I'm here now, and a few moments later, I'm in the other side of the world. What does this mean in a person's life? So he says that basically the soul has a pizur hanefesh. You're not in one space. You're not in a unified, harmonious, cohesive space. Why? Because there's levushim that control the nefesh, and the nefesh is tied up in them, and these levushim go everywhere, and therefore the nefesh is forced and compelled to go with them. What does this mean in a person's life? The nefesh alekis really is full of achtos. It's defined by unity, by harmony, by oneness, and by a sense of peacefulness. Why is it defined by a sense of peacefulness? Because it's one with its source, and it's always in its source. What is Pizur HaNefesh? Pizur HaNefesh means the person feels like a slingshot. The person experiences themselves scattered. One moment I have a thought like this, the next moment I have a thought like this. There is no one cohesive, unifying reality that defines a person's life. So their soul is scattered and thrown in every conceivable and possible direction. In complete chaos, with no sense of holistic oneness, with no sense of wholesomeness, with no sense of achtus and harmony. You feel split, fragmented, in hundreds of pieces, scattered everywhere, driven this way and then driven the opposite way, torn between these priorities and these priorities, focused here and then focused there, just like when a person can't focus. They push it, can't focus. And it's very, very difficult. Right? I don't know if, you ever, if you're familiar well with the condition of ADHD in, its extreme, in, in more extreme manifestations. It's not simple. It's not simple for a person to deal with it. Because okay? sometimes medications can help. Okay? That you have to speak to a, an, an expert doctor in this field when yes, when not. But the Nekudah is, I'm just giving a marshal, Pizur HaNefesh could be very deeply painful. But then you have it on a spiritual level. Even not a, on a spiritual level. That's there's parts of me that are there, there's parts of me that are there. Where does it come from? It comes from the person does not have control over their machshavas, over their deburim, over their maizim. So their machshavas could take them anywhere. One moment you're thinking about the holiest things, and the next moment you're thinking about the unholiest things. One moment you speak a certain way, and the next moment, sometimes you speak you're kind and soft and angelic and idealistic, and then you... So that's the tragedy. If it's only the nefesh of Bahamas Mela, but since Galul Adam Shchinei Mahem, 
So the nitzutz of Pnimius Nekudas Halev goes with it. Like we learned earlier. That's why Benafsha Yavi Lachmai. So the Pizur HaNefesh happens to the Pnimius Halev also. That it becomes completely scattered and overwhelmed by the Kafakel experience. And he gives the example of dreams as well. From dream, very interesting example. You ever notice how you dream? From dreams, you get to learn a lot about who you are because the consciousness, again, you would think uh, this is, yeah, the consciousness is off at night. You don't have control. So you dream, but the dream is reflections of your own thoughts. So he says, from your dreams, you sometimes see where you are, how chaotic you are on a certain level of the self. So he says, that the soul is taken to all these places. So Kafa Kela is basically the physical symbol of a person who lives a Kafa Kela life. In the morning I'm on one side of the world, an hour later I'm on the other side of the world, emotionally. I'm here, but I'm not here. I'm there, but I'm not there. One moment I'm here, one moment I'm there. The nefesh is not in control of its own destiny, of its own fate. It's like tied up to too many things. You know you have strings attached even in relationships you have this. You have people, they have so many strings attached to so many different situations that life goes crazy. Life is, in other words, they're connected to everything and therefore they're connected to nothing. Somebody once said that there's certain people, they know, they know the price of everything and the value of nothing. Their strings are attached everywhere. They have a makam, what does it say by Yishmol, yeah? Yodei bakoil. Viat kol boy. Yodei bakol viat kol boy. Take a practical example. There's people who don't have control over their phones. Every text, they have to answer. Every email, they have to look up all the links. Every website, they have to read all the comments. You know those people? They're not here 5.30 a.m. Why? What happens? What happens is you not a balabas on your life. You other people define where you go. Other people take you where they want to take you. Fine, the person does a few minutes. He looks something up. But this is a concept of pizur nefesh. The nefesh is completely scattered everywhere. So therefore, the pasuk says, to be able to be mekabets the nefesh. So now you have a situation where a person has all of these outlets in life. Really, all of them are being fueled by the spiritual void that we discussed. Even the intense, even intense habits or destructive addictions or crazy revolutionary spirits are all coming from Pnimius Hanefesh, from Saiv of Kalalman. But the outlet may be completely unproductive for the soul. So you could find his soul everywhere. Wherever he touched, there's a soul there. But now you have to bring it back. And this is a very visual process almost of collecting your own sparks back to yourself. It's called kibbutz goliath on a spiritual level. Kibbutz goliath happens every day. The title from the Belzerov, Reb Aaron Rekeach, the Belzerov. He said, So 
So he says, even a Jew who's a complete outcast, there is still a little edge of heven in him. From that, even a person who has fallen extremely low, on any level, this the edge of the Himmel, the edge of heaven is still in him. Misham, from there, So they have the concept here, the person ought to collect his pieces. Poshut, you know, like when your child is playing with a Lego game or with another game and it has a puzzle of 3,000 or 5,000 pieces and Shabbos afternoon, the dining room or the living room at the end of Shabbos, it's covered with thousands and thousands of pieces of puzzle and now comes the hard work, Mitzvah Shabbos, collect the pieces. <laughs> collect the pieces. So that's really life. That's really life. There's pieces of the Nefesh al everywhere. Everywhere. Especially if the person allowed themselves to live in this kaf state. They do not control their life, their schedule, their identity, their relationships, their thoughts, their words, their actions. They're really noch schleppers. They get schlepped everywhere. Completely reactive. Reactive or impulsive. The person is not proactive about their life. On a psychological level. And the same is true on many different madrigas, but the Nikudah is the same. This is called Pizur HaNefesh. What do you have to do? Kibbutz Goliath. Im yinidachacha b'ktzei ha-shamayim yisham yikabetz ha-sham alakecha um yisham yikachecha And what happens is at some point the Nefesh gets stuck. It's like, it's like tied up. You don't even have, you don't even have control over yourself. We had somebody once said, my brother told me that he once asked somebody for he needed some help. He needed a favor from him. So the man uh, says uh, no. And he hangs up. It's a little strange, you know. Usually a no comes with a thousand excuses. You know, if you're a good Jew, a million excuses. You wanted, you should have. You he calls him back. He says, I wanted to hang up right away because I wanted to teach you a lesson in life. Lesson in life is you have to know how to say no and hang up. And remember that people who don't know how to say no also don't know how to say yes. <laughs> people who don't know how to say no don't know how to say yes because they're not saying yes because they want to say yes. They're saying yes because they don't know how to say no. So if you don't know how to say no, you don't know how to say yes because your yes is simply coming because it's too uncomfortable <coughs> to say no. So therefore, rather than having the comfort of saying no, you just say yes. So your yes is not a yes. Your yes is just trying... You're not even talking to the other person. You're just trying to avoid your own discomfort. I don't think he was saying that it's a mitzvah in Atayra to say no, 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 no. But sometimes people have to practice it. I know people who have to practice that because they don't know how to do it. And they think it's chesed. They think it's avas Yisrael. It's not. It's coming from a terrible, terrible sense that they don't really exist. They can't even be there for somebody. It compromises avas Yisrael. Because if you can't say no, it means there's no self. If there's no self, how could you give anything to anybody? You're not giving anything to anybody. To give something to somebody, you have to give something. If you believe you're nothing, your heart is nothing, right? you can't give something to anybody. So no doesn't mean that I'm selfish. Yes, it could mean that too. You have to be careful with that. I'm not talking that. I'm talking about the other extreme. No means there's something called a space that belongs to you. 
this is davening, this is learning, there's a relationship. The soul has its space and its control of that. It's in control of that space. Pizra nefesh means the soul is everywhere. Everyone else has control over it besides you. That's what happens. And when it's such a deep soul, so then what's fueling the golos, the enemy is feeding off your own energy and you don't even realize it. You're feeding things that you don't want to feed. So it's the depth of your spirituality that makes it so much more tragic because it's allowing that which is alien to your soul to be fed successfully because it has such, it has such powerful energy. That's the process of Kibbutz Goliath. So when you have the first stage of the Mulchama, you can have the Brata the Malka to feel a little bit of Ha'aras Gili Nekudas Halev, which when you feel that presence... It summons, it shines a light and it starts attracting, it sparks here. Come back. Come back to me. I'm your mother. Come back. Don't run away. Come back to yourself. Come back to your identity. You have been everywhere. You have this also on a historical level with the Jewish people. One of the most difficult things for the Jewish people was and remains to be able to really define themselves based on their own identity. One of the greatest challenges of modernity was that the Jewish people often feel, felt and feel the tremendous yearning to be accepted, and for a good reason. They have been shunned for so, many, for so much of history, they want to be accepted. And when they are accepted, it's very hard for the Jew to not lose himself and become so uh, desperate to appease, to please, to conform, to acquiesce, just that I should be able to look normal and be able to look good. And then at some, at some point, a person has to stand in the mirror and say, Ayaka, where did all your energy go? You gave so much energy, where did it go? And it's also on a very practical level. Sometimes at the end of a day, a person asks themselves, were you reactive or proactive? In other words, you have so much energy. Where did this energy go? Did you strategize where your energy should go? or you were responding to the expectations and needs of others, who basically hijacked your energy. And so after 10, 20 years, everything was just reactive. Remember, you could live a successfully reactive life and consider yourself busy. You're busy. You're, doing, you're very, very busy, but you're not focused. You're not, you're not maximizing your, your identity, your potential. You don't know your soul. You're just busy responding to other people's souls. Yeah. That concept of Bitlayesh versus what we just said. What's the question? How do you explain Bitlayesh in terms of giving? Bitlayesh in terms of giving. Bitlayesh means to nullify your perception that what you need in life is to be an egotistical, self centered creature. That's what Bitlayesh means. Bitlayesh means to recognize your interconnectedness with other people, your interconnectedness with Hashem, your interconnectedness with the world. Bitlayesh means don't see yourself as being so small that you have to protect it by becoming selfish and egotistical. See yourself in much larger, larger spaces. But Bitlayesh does not mean that you lose sight of what your contribution has to be, of what your shlichus in this world has to be and of what you really have to offer. Then on the contrary, then uh, you're, uh, you're denying that from other people. <laughs> you're denying that from other people. They can't even get that. 
So that's the kibbutz goliath that happens, the yinidachacha b'ktzea shamayim. Some say it every morning after Vakeda, Many many say we say that Pasik there. Why is it Negei every day in Davening? It's the concept of Kibbutz Goliath, which is the vision of, of the future. But Kibbutz Goliath always begins like everything. It begins on a microcosmic level before it begins on the on the macrocosm. You have Kibbutz Goliath, which is the parts of the person that are in Golos. The parts of the person that are in Golos ought to be retrieved. Now, by others. Chesed is for others. We give to others. The challenge is when we give to others in a way that we're not even sometimes helping the other or we're not allowed the ability to be able to choose and prioritize. This is critical. This is important. This is urgent. This is very important. It's just that the person becomes a... uh, you know, just pulled in all directions, and they can't maximize. They can't maximize their chesed. I'll give you an example. There's a technology that we call today laser technology. You're familiar with laser? Laser is incredible. With laser technology, you could pierce diamonds. You could perform surgeries that are not uh, they're not um, invasive, because the, the the power of the laser beams is so intense that it actually could penetrate and can perform procedures and surgeries, and you didn't use a knife, you did not make incisions, you did not physically break the system. Fascinating. So this was developed a few decades ago. What's the Nakuda behind laser technology? Nakuda behind laser technology is, everything in the world emits light. Everything emits light. But the, And light is very powerful. There's nothing as powerful as light. The speed of light, the momentum of light... But the light is scattered in all directions. The tissue box emits light. The body emits light. Everything emits light. But it's scattered in all directions. What was the Chiddush of laser? It limits It limits the expression, doesn't allow the light to be scattered, and focuses it and harnesses it in one direction. So on one hand, it's limiting the light. It's subjugating. It's harnessing it. But what happens? It, cha- it brings out, it allows the light to unleash its full power, koyach, and momentum to the, to the point that it could penetrate penetrate a diamond, penetrate a body, perform a surgery, other things that laser does. The energy was there, but it's in all directions. You harness it, you limit it. <coughs> this is the pshat. We say, Ein lecha ben The Mishnah says, Who is free? Somebody who's learn, who learns. It's the exact opposite. Somebody once asked, says, I don't understand. The country, somebody who learns, Torah Mitzvah is the most limiting uh, life. <laughs> we call in Yiddish, we say, Afrayayid. What's Afrayayid? What does Afrayayid mean? A free Jew. Chavshi. Yetzir lachavshi. Yechavshi bin Mitzvah. Free. From. There's an Eved. Eved Hashem. Avodai Heib. Kabbalah so malchus shemayim. 
A fryer yid meant as fry. Free. Droid. He's not a tzipah that's trapped. And yet we know that on Shabbos, trapping is forbidden. <laughs> well, all of Shabbos is one big trap. <laughs> trapped in your house, trapped if there's no aid <laughs> What's pshat? By definition, how do you say this? What's the Havana? It's the same Nekuda, the same Nekuda. What looks like, now I'm not now talking about people's personal experiences, as we, uh, unfortunately you can't always confuse Jews with Judaism. I wish you would be able to, you can't. Sometimes it's sad, it would be nice to be able to confuse Jews with Judaism, Hasidim with Hasidus, <laughs> Kehillus with Taira, it would be nice to confuse it all, but you can't. Unfortunately, not yet. One day, maybe. You have to be able to... So I'm not talking about individuals' experiences. I know that religion for many, including sitting in this room, has been very oppressive. I'm talking about the concept you should be able to understand and detox from negative influences. What's the idea? The idea is as follows. If you want the light to unleash its full momentum, of course you have to limit it. Of course you say you can't, the light can't, the light goes here, the light goes there, the light goes there, the light goes there. It's free. But what is it? it it's, it's not what it is. It's free. It could do whatever it wants. It go in all directions. But it never discovers itself. It never discovers its power. When you limit it, what happens? You harness it in one direction. What happens? The full power of the light is unleashed and it can change the world. That's the mission statement of all Torah mitzvahs. Does it limit? Yes. Shabbos, I can't work. I can't eat whatever I want in the airport. MS, I have to wake up in the morning to say Krishna. There's limits in relationships. Arayas. Tayag mitzvahs. Mitzvahs, mitzvahs, what? But what's the nekudah? The nekudah is to limit the person. No this, not this, not this, not this, not this. No. The nekudah is to allow the light of the soul to be able to be so focused and so harnessed and not get distracted and scattered in every possible direction, which it would if you don't have limitations. So yes, I could be free. I could sleep whenever I want. I could eat whatever I want. But just like in the physical world, take in the world of, of nutrition. What does freedom mean? Freedom means eat whatever you want whenever you want. You could, but what happens to your body? <laughs> What happens to your body? You know they say the mice about the... You know the mice? Um, uh, there was a guy, he went to a therapist, he was looking for happiness. He was looking for simcha, he was looking for happiness. So he said, you're not going to find anybody in the world. Nobody's happy, everybody's miserable. Those who say are happy, they're the most miserable. They're just trying to impress people that they're happy. They're usually the most miserable. He says, okay. Anyway, he's walking home. And he goes by this, uh, this uh, guy sitting on the porch. He's saying, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. Oh, here's finally you find what you have to pay a therapist twenty thousand dollars. Here it is. So he goes over to this person and he says, Tell me, tell me. He looks at this person. It looks like he has a richis yom in Mishanam He looks 106 years old. He tells me, he says, Tell me about your daily schedule. So my daily schedule is I wake up 11 o'clock in the morning. The first thing is I down a bottle of liquor. That's the first thing. Then I eat a bag of potato chips. Then I eat three slices of pizza. I eat some cheesecake. I lie down on the hammock. By now I sober up. 
and now I go to the vodka, I finish a bottle of vodka, then I go to gamble a little bit, some gin, game of cards, I come back, I eat some more cake, and then I start smoking. So I already smoked in the morning when I woke up, but I finish, I finish my third pack, then I take out my cigars, at night I go for another meal. Wow, it's unbelievable. And he's looking at him, it looks like, you know, he lived till 105 years old. He says, are you a happy person? He says, yeah, I'm an unbelievably happy person. And he says, you know, uh, he says, how long have you been doing this? He says, he says since, uh, since uh, you know, I came of age, I'm 26 years old, <laughs> since I came of age. And then he realized, you know, that it comes with a price, right? So a person could say they're free to do whatever they want. Yeah, they're free to do whatever they want. But what does that mean? It means sometimes that who gets sacrificed in the process? They don't know themselves anymore. They don't have a self anymore. So they're free to do whatever they want, but they become the most detached from themselves. I can eat whatever I want. What happens to my body? My body becomes the most detached from itself. What happens if somebody limits their diet? Or creates restrictions? What happens? What are they trying to do? Crush themselves? No, they want to unleash all the potential energy that exists in a body. The same is true in the moral, spiritual, and ethical life. Why? Because by restricting the light, the soul, the energy to go everywhere, you can allow it, you can allow it to discover who it really is. And when it discovers who it is and what its power is, and you focus in that direction, then the laser can change the world. Pizur HaNefesh doesn't allow you to do that. Fresh taste? Yes, so if it's only about limits, you miss the point. Like the light. It's not about blocking the light. It's about channeling the light. It's not about limiting the light, it's about channeling the light. But channeling the light requires limits. But it's a different type of limit. This limit is a form of freedom. It's not a form of, uh, of subjugation. It's a form of freedom. So why is that the definition of freedom? Just say you become a, more, a better, more powerful, more able to Excellent question. Why am I using the word freedom? Just say more effective, more accomplished, not more free. The answer is... Good question. If it depends how we... De- <laughs> Classic Jewish answer. Depends what we define as freedom. <laughs> If we define freedom as the person having as much options available at any given moment, you're right. If we define freedom, however, in a little more maybe sophisticated way or deeper way, and that is the freedom, you're free to ultimately be in touch with who you truly, truly are and live a lifestyle that expresses that in the profoundest way then we can define it as freedom. You understand? If you're really free, because remember, the person whose light gets scattered, they're not really free to know who they really, really are. They don't have that ability. Because we become slaves to something else. I can become a slave to laziness, to instincts, to habits, to addictions, to peer pressure. I'm free, but am I really free? Something is, something is controlling me. What is controlling me? Maybe habits, maybe appetites, maybe instincts, maybe sluggishness, maybe depression, maybe fear, maybe insecurity, maybe wanting to please people. Something is controlling me. The question is, what's controlling me? 
So that's why it sounds free, but is anybody really free? So L'cha'ayre, the most real and sophisticated, and I think the definition of freedom is, the freedom, first of all, to know who you really are in your deepest space, and the freedom to actually live that way that expresses that. That's why I use the word freedom. You're free from the malbush and the mafazin. Yes, 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 yes. That's That's the point. You're free from the the trappings that, that... that seem, a, seem attractive, I'm but they basically hijack. They control the person. They hijack you. There's a mice with the cut skirt. It's a little bit uh, the train. Oh, I'm sorry, are you saying something? No, no, it's free from the straight jacket. You don't want the straight jacket. From the straight jacket, sir. What happens is you could be everywhere, but your core self is trapped. The free self gets exactly that's the shelter. If you have a good heart, and you like that was the if there's a point you could say no for a good reason for a good reason not to say no somebody who or because it's going to be harmful it's not what it's not, it's not a good thing if I could never say no I'm not in control of anything if I can't say no to something, I'm pushing on a control. I'm a complete slave. So it made no sense. Maybe the guy just has a good heart and he doesn't want to say no. Adarabba. Adarabba. But in life, sometimes you have to say no. Sometimes you have to say no. A father who never says no to a child. Hey, you want to play with the knife? Play with. You want to go into the street? Sometimes you have to say no. Bigger things, smaller things, but you have to say no. If there's nothing the world will disprove it for you. Right. My right. kid wants to sit on a computer right. for seven right. hours a day. Yeah. You have to say no. It, it, it's not good. It's destructive for them. Yeah, yeah. want to play on a phone for three hours a day. It's not good for their brain. It's destructive. So yeah, freedom means that you have the ability to express your deepest core. And if the levushim take over, if my externals take over, that core will become trapped. The push should be trapped. So what makes me free? I'm not even in touch with myself. Okay, you challenge them, and that could be set free. Your angel could come out. So he says here, yes, he says here that when you have the gilu ha'aras nekudas aleiv, it allows to make a kibbutz galius from all the koiches hanafish. Because it's lamayla meyevecha, it's above the enemy, so it could, it could gather them together. We can gather the sparks together. It's like the core. When the core comes out, they come back. You know, you have a huge bonfire and you have little fires, they all gather together. To, they, they get swallowed in the bonfire. When there's a gili nekudas alev, so wherever the nitzutz is, it suddenly remembers it has a mother. You know what I mean? So it comes out of its shell and it wants to go back. This, is there like any practical way how you can get to this? Good question. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> 
six thousand dollar question. Is what he's asking. Yeah, I, so so I think it's the same question. Is the Balatanya saying that uh, that it's an automatic progression if you start with the Chitzonius, you're going to end up there sort of on your own as a natural progress, or the Rebbe Shalom is going to give it to you as a gift? Yeah, yeah, I think that's what you're asking also. Is there a way to get there, or is it a promise to Rebbe Shalom that if you, you follow this? No, I think the two are not disconnected. When you say Yavin Lebrata de Malka, that's what he means, a natural process. In other words, when one does this, Hashem kicks in. In a natural, in the, in the natural process. But Hashem kicks in by intervening, or because Hashem created your whole spiritual journey in such a way that Teva of your psychology is this, that you will come to that because He set it up for you. I'll tell you the the. It's a good question. In other words, is it Hashem working, so to speak, through the mechanism of uh, the evolutionary process, or it's a, a direct intervention? I think Ha'aras Nakuda Salev is so deeply connected with him that it's always by intervention. It's, it's a direct relationship. It's not... Uh, it's himself. It's a chilekalikami mal. So it's, it's the same thing. You know, it's always by direct intervention. It's a dynamic flow. It's not where there's, you know... He didn't make a clock and the clock just goes. Yechidah Shebenefesh, there's a dynamic flow. It's, there's, it's, a, one, it's, it's a oneness... So therefore, him giving it to you is an intervention, but that is the very process of it. Because it's him, it's part of him. It's almost like he's promised that this is how his tema, so to speak. Right, 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 right. Right. The first part, I guess, is through meditation. Meditation, trying then to connect yourself. Mindfulness, uh, meditation as well. And it's a fight. It first is a fight. It's because there's the two nefashas battling. So there's a mulchama in the first one. It has to be cut to lechivi. You got to kill the snake. This is Hashem Avoda. Yeah, you have to really take control of that. Pizudan Nefesh is a very big thing. Yes, if you don't know, you have Pizudan Nefesh. Yes, of course. Yeah. You want to know what's not Pizudan Nefesh? I'll tell you. The Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, once went into the Mikveh. You know, they used to go they had bathing, the bathing houses. So he was there. And uh, he was getting dressed before he came out of the mikveh. And uh, his back was to the crowd because he, he was facing, like, you know, the bench, the wall, and he was getting dressed. Mm-hmm. A yid comes in who happens to be a chassid of his. And he thought it was a friend of his. Hmm. So you know how it is. And he was a shtifer. He was a lebedi guy. He went over. Whack. Okay. And the balatanya didn't turn around. <laughs> Somebody else saw it. He didn't turn around. He stayed like this. <laughs> that shot no pizzer on Nefesh. <laughs> the need to turn around is a instinctive. Yeah, somebody slaps you on the back, right? You turn around. Whatever you want to call it, f- f- flight or uh, <laughs> flight or flight, flight or whatever. It's it's, it's almost um, an instinct. Reflex. It's a reflex. reflex. Come out. Come out. A reflex. But he understood, right? He's going to turn around. What is the guy going to do? <laughs> he won't be very happy. He'll want to bury himself. 
The guy didn't know that it's him. No, no, that was the point. See, green car lights like that. That was his point. Friends, you know it is. He gave a patch. He gave a patch. He gave a starker patch. He didn't turn around. So another that's called a schlitter on your nefesh. It was right away typhus what it was. I said, okay, I won't know who did it. But uh, he didn't turn around. I'm saying that's, a, I think, a psychological example of uh, Balabas. Shut up, Balabas. Really huh? Yeah, it's deep. You have a taiva. There's a process. Here it's a reflex. It's a, you're, you're a shalit even in Yonim that are, most of us, we don't even notice it happens. You understand? You don't notice it happens. It is. He worked it out already that instant reaction shouldn't be that. Can't be that in this split second he made the decision. He worked it out already. Because of who he was, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just an example of how a person is. Uh, who? With Pizzer Nefesh? No, with somebody should. Oh. As a Malaray and he said, So they asked why. So he said that a yid came to him today. Somebody came, yeah, today or a few days ago. And um, he was having a challenge. The Mishnah says, And he couldn't find, he couldn't find how he could be in front of him. And he says, and now he realized nine ways in which he's shvaruach befanav. So he was very thankful. <laughs> it's also you understand to be able to make such a cheshbonah He found nine ways in which he's shuffled before. It's also it's a, okay. So, kiseitzel amolcham aloyvecha is the nakuda here. The parsha opens up when you go out to war above your enemy, which, of course, grammatically, always, you know, the Chumash was written in a way that uh, these little diyukim convey profound ideas. There are two types of battles. There's a battle in which you engage your enemy face-to-face. In other words, you're on equal, you're equal, unequal standing with your foe. It's me against you, you against me. So that means that when you go out, you're above your enemy, you're above it. You're completely not on the same madrega. There's an old uh, Yiddish joke that during the First World War, so major, major conflict was eclipsed in history by the Second World War for obvious reasons even in terms of Jewish, of course, in terms of Jewish history as well, but if not for the Second World War, the First World War would, uh, was such a churban, it was such a churban relative to the Holocaust, you know. I'm not going to say it was cotton candy, but uh, people don't realize what happened in the First World War. But it was... It wasn't called the War to End All Wars? Yes, officially it was the War to End All Wars, yeah. And then it preceded the Greatest War. It was the catalyst for the Greatest War, for the Second World War, because Germany's the defeat... They say an old, uh, you know, Jews deal with uh, Jews have dealt with every problem through humor, right? So, uh, so there's an old Meiser that uh, it was the Germans against the Russians. 
And it was a very bitter, very bitter conflict with 10 million deaths or so, which then was, was unprecedented in the history of conflict, so many deaths. So uh, at some point, the Russian commander uh, turns to his platoon, to his chevre, and he says, listen, we have no, I mean, Russia was very ill-equipped for the war. It was a disaster, and that's why the Tsar fell. The revolution, the Bolshevik revolution happened in 1917 because uh, Russia's, uh, Russia's performance in that war in terms of the Tsar's government was beyond, beyond... Uh, Absurd, I mean, in terms of, of not giving the soldiers what they needed. So at some point, the commander turns to everybody and he tells, says, listen, at this point, there's no help coming. There's no assistance. There's nothing I can do for you. You have their German platoon. We have our platoon. It's basically man-to-man. Man-to-man, a German soldier against a Russian soldier. Do the best you can. So this Jew, this Jew turns to his commander, this Jew in the Russian army, he says, maybe you could tell me which man I have in the German platoons, I could negotiate a deal with them. You know? You know? <laughs> we'll work it out. We don't have to kill Tell me who my man is. So you have a Mulchama where it's, you know, man to man. Then you have Kiseitzila Mulchama Aloivach. So in the Kutatayra here, he says, because there's two aspects of the human soul. Mitzat Chitsaini is Halev. It's a melcham and negadevechem. But at pnimiyus alev, it's alevechem. Why? Because zelu umazeh exists in the world of mamalikalam, but not in the world of saivikalam. And so, in other words, in the state of consciousness, where a person uses his mind to wrap himself around truths, here there's always a counterforce. There's seichel of kedusha. There's Seichel of Klippa, there's Midas of Kedusha, there's Midas of Klippa, there's Machshava Dibra Mais of Kedusha, Machshava Dibra Mais of Klippa. When you get in touch with Yechidosh Abenefesh, with the Alakus in the soul, with the Al, with the Pnimiyas Nekudas Halev, with the Tziyayin, with the daughter of the king, the second Pchidna he's been talking about, the Pnimiyas Halev, that may be in Golos, it may be completely eclipsed, it may be manipulated, it may be exiled, it may be misused as discussed. But when that comes out, you're already This is not anymore an equal competition because this is a place where the Oyev, he says, has no shlita, has no dominance, has no rule, has no achizam. The Pasuk says that the whole evolutionary process, this is shared with the cosmos. This is the energy that goes into the cosmos and some of it is very concealed and therefore there could be competing forces, competing perspectives. When you come into this state of consciousness, though, then it's al oivech. Because. Okay. No problem. No problem. The truth is, I've been using. Ter- I, I explained all the terms. I've just been repeating terms that I've been dealing with in previous days. That's why I didn't. Uh, I didn't explain. But Linader. Now. So, you know, sometimes um, I've read, I don't know how true this, I don't know, I, I, didn't, I didn't reread it. You know, we learned in Gemara today that there's sifting and then you have to re-sift to get better texture. Sometimes you read something and you don't know, you know, some people argue with it and they say it's not true. So I don't know, it's interesting to know if this is true. But I read once an article that uh, people suffer from addictions and uh, when if Chalila, they're diagnosed, 
with a terminal illness and they're given a very short time to live, they have found that a major, major percentage of those people suddenly they sober up from addiction. Usually to get rid of addiction, it's, I don't know, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it's, it's a life journey, right? I was at a conference in, in Boca and a, a Yid gets up and he says, 30, he says, I'm, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an AA, sober for 35 years. He didn't have a Lachayim for 35 years. Imagine Dalit Kaisers with grape juice, four cups. So I went over to him and I say, Lachayim, 35 years sober. Halavayaf, Allah Shul's gezakt. But tell me, why do you call yourself an alcoholic? Why do you call yourself an alcoholic? This is called an alcoholic. So he says, Rabbi Jacobs, in the moment I stop calling myself an alcoholic, I become one. The moment I stop calling myself, I become one. Very profound. Oymed al hamishmar, right? So it's a, it's, a, it's a journey because, you know, there's the devil that's always there. There's the <clears throat> devil that always lurks, that always wants to jump on you and kill you. We always have that. We know that Rabsim Chabinim Abshischa lived during the times of the French Revolution. The French Revolution of 1789 introduced the guillotine. Thousands and thousands of people. You know what the guillotine was? It was this mechanism that they would behead people. They beheaded people. So Reb Simcha Binim, this is the late 1700s, the French Revolution, Napoleon took over. So Reb Simcha Binim was once talking to his chassidim, and he said that a yid has to imagine Imagine life as though he's under the... Okay, this is a pshischevart, you know. I'm just... It's a pshischevart, right? A yid has to imagine that he's under the guillotine. His head is under the guillotine. And at any moment, the blade is going to come crashing down if he doesn't protect himself. Because that's the Yetzirah. That's what the Pesimcha Binam of said. So a yid, a chassid of his, turns to him and says, Rebbe, what if I don't feel this one? I don't feel my life is in such danger. He said, it's because your head was chopped off already. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah, you're done. Okay. A very sharp way of saying it, but the point is, remember there's a condition. You know, worst thing, somebody has a heart condition, you could live with a heart condition. You have your pacemaker. The worst is if you think you don't have. You don't have a condition. You're a diabetic, but you're denying you're a diabetic. A person knows what they have, fine. I could be alert. I could be conscientious. I could do things. I can exercise. I can take my insulin. I could not eat certain things. But when you don't know, you're not aware, then it's, then it's the worst. So you have to be aware of the ayif. Be aware of the ayif. So this person says the moment he stops saying there's an alcoholic, he loses. So that's why I was perplexed to see this uh, study that I read once. And again, I didn't do further research on it, so I don't know how accurate it is in terms of numbers and percentages and you know, the data. But very interesting that when people are diagnosed with terminal illness, like the addiction is, is forgotten. It's like gone, just dissipates. No 12 steps, no recovery for 20 years. Sponsors with therapists, with psychoanalysis, with, with heavy loaded work, it's gone. What's the Havana of it? The Havana of this, I think we can understand this part. There's a state where you're facing your enemy, and then there's a state, when a person realizes how little time they have in this world, 
their priorities suddenly change. They become in touch with a different level of consciousness, a different level of consciousness. People get away with emotions and with schedules only because they think they're invincible. Life is forever. Everybody understands if somebody was told that they have two hours to live, how would you spend those two hours? Probably not surfing the web and reading the comments on all of the websites, probably. Unless maybe <laughs> that's a good thing to do just to, to get your mind up. You know, I once asked this of somebody, he said, a cigarette, a cup of coffee, and a bag of chips. Okay, what is he gonna start doing? He's gonna start doing tshuva? He says, that's not for him. You know, either you have a relationship, you have a relationship. He's not suddenly, you know, going to become from the Kotzke Rebbe said, Altifnu hel el ha'elilin. We don't worship Elul. Altifnu hel ha'elilin. We don't worship Elul. Suddenly, Elul, God exists. From Cheshvan to Labor Day, doesn't exist. Ein oid mulvadi. Suddenly, Elul and Tishrei, oh, Kotzke didn't like it. Okay, again, this is a Kotzke Rebbe's Vart. You have to understand his perspective. But the Vart is a Vart, you understand? The Balatanya brings in his Machzer, they bring in the Siddur, the Tehillus Hashem Machzer, maybe it's another, before HaMelech, the Rish Hashanah, the Baron of Kalin was his Chavar, this Talmud of the Magid, the Baron HaGadol of Kalin. So it says, when he came to HaMelech, Rish Hashanah, he fainted. So they asked Rabbi Aaron, why did you faint? So he said he remembered the Gemara in Gittin. The Gemara in Meseches Gittin says that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai sneaked out of Yerushalayim with the help of his nephew during the siege of Rome on Yerushalayim, in like the year 66, 67, before the Chorban Bayesheni, and he goes to Vespasian. And Vespasian is then the commander of the Roman troops. Later, he would become the Caesar of Rome, right? He would take over Nero. And then Titus would uh, would take over the the leadership and destroy the base and then he would take over his father Vespasian after Vespasian was Aspasianus after his death. So Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai defines Vespasian. He calls him the Melech, the Caesar, the Emperor of Rome, and he says it's Miridah Bemalchus because there's another emperor, and he says you're going to become the Emperor of the Gemara. He was very impressed with Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. So Vespasian tells Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, "I Malkano." Why did you wake up now? Why didn't you come till now? Rome has been trying to defeat Yerushalayim for years, not successfully. The Jews put up a heavy revolt, a heavy fight. Suddenly I'm the king. So Rebbe explained that the zealots, the Sikrikim, didn't allow him to get out of the city. You had to know he had to feign that he's dead and he can't bury Yerushalayim. So he got out. He got out as a dead corpse. Kivayochel. So Rabbi Yehi, said when he said Hamelech, you know the Hamelech of Rishon Hamelech, he remembered the Gemara. He Malkano Ad Hashdalom Aliyasus Tikabai. Yesterday I wasn't a Melech. In in August and July when you were on vacation, I wasn't a Melech. Suddenly the month of when a Melech, the Kotzker Rebbe says Altifnu Elul, the Machnish can got from Elul. Elul is part of a relationship. It's not like on the anniversary day, suddenly your wife, you buy flowers. A whole year, you pet Adam. Insulting, denigrate. Anniversary, a bouquet of flowers, 300 roses. 300 roses. Okay. 
Mr. Gavan behind. If you're my, if I'm your wife, oh yeah, I'm your wife also. That's the Havana. Right. So Rabbi Yochanan so ben Zakkai. So the Aaron of Kalin fainted by the words, by the words Hamelach. So, but what does this mean? This means this basically you could fight in two ways. One is it's man to man. But when a, a person becomes aware of the fragile, the, the fragility from, of life, a lot of addictions fall away, not because they weren't there, because they reach a certain state of consciousness. And when you become aware of a certain aspect of self, over there the addiction has no kachis. Basically the balloon is just deflated. There's no umaza. There's no zelo umaza anymore. There's no counter force. There's no enemy. It's kisayt the Oyev doesn't have a shlita. You know, the, a lot of the addictions and habits we have is because we're not in touch with the full depth of the self. When you become in touch with a certain space of the self, there's no other view anymore. There's no opposition. Not because you're afraid of death. Because your, your pnimius comes out. And in that space, this is not typhus mokin. It's not fear. It's not about fear. It's a very edel of art. You understand? That's Yaskir Loyoma Misa in the Gemara. Yeah, yeah. Yaskir Loyoma is not Pshat, like we learn, you're going to die. Where they used to say, I don't know if it's true, the Bali Musa would say that Moshe Montefiore, you know, the British, uh, the British activist, they used to say about him, is it true? He would get dressed up in white tachrichim and get into a coffin at night because he was such a powerful person, right? And he had to remind himself who he is. Yeah, it's a pity his wife couldn't do it. For most people, they don't have to get into an orange. They come home at night. The wife, okay. Probably he had a tzadikus of a wife. She respected him so much. She didn't say a word. So he did tachrichim with an orange. But but the part you know, that's the choice in life. Either you get married to a good Jewish wife, and if not, you have to put on every night tachrichim. And go into an RN and make believe the Hebrew Kaddisha are saying Yosha Beseser. Yosha Beseser Elian and the Masaskim are already there. So, what's Pshat? The Pshat, the Askele means remember who you will be the moment you face your own mortality, what you will feel about yourself. Or even in a more refined way, remember what your Neshama is, Be'etzem, not when it's encumbered and obstructed by all of the layers of concealment that come from the Guf and the Nefesh of Bahamas. You see in a moment of great simcha, for example, right? A great simcha, a wedding of a child, for example. People describe the deep, it's from the deep simcha at that moment, right? The regular, the regular cravings that a person has, they're not fighting them. It's just a different moment. It's a different, you're in a different space. You're in a different space. You see yourself in a different way. This, it's not type of Conversely, Khalil, in a moment of, of, of great distress, of great difficulty, things that yesterday were so important, they're not important, not because you fought them and you went through a process, because you discovered, you excavated a level of self where this absolutely doesn't exist anymore. It's a very rich idea, very beautiful idea. That's the Aloi Vecha. In Pnimius Halev, there's no competition, there's no Lo'umazah. In the level of there's two paths. That's why he says, When I take that good piece of food, I could look at it superficially, or I could dissect it and look at its pnimis, and both are tempting. Both are tempting. We all know there's a reason for obesity. If kale was as tempting as cheesecake, people would not be obese. 
But somehow it's not as tempting. The Ebershtash, the Yubanyash made that foods that are healthy somehow are not as delicious, at least to the more primitive-minded. We know once your consciousness is expanded, kale is far more delicious than cheesecake, and cucumbers is far superior to vanilla and chocolate ice cream. No question. And, and, and you know, kernels of barley are infinitely more valuable and far more tasty than, uh, you know, a milkshake. But for, for us primitive-minded uh, homo sapiens, um, it's not that way exactly. So there's competition. So you have to say, you know, choose the life of everything. That's in Chitzayin Yisalev. In Pnimi Yisalev is Kisetzila Molchama Alev. So it starts with Seitzila Molchama, that's step one, but then there's Alev, you're completely above. In other words, the Oyev doesn't have power. Well, that's a good question. I don't think you lose your pchira. I just think that pchira uh, is such a powerful thing that a person could choose under any circumstances anything. That's how powerful pchira is. But what it means is that the pchira here is on a different level. The pchira is not anymore. Actually, you have to choose. You're not compelled. In other words, that those forces or those realities don't have that compelling power from a person could make choices still and the question is what would make them choose certain things but it actually becomes a real choice because you're 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 freed up from a lot of stuff you're actually more capable of 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 choosing but the point is that there's a state of consciousness where the oyev oyev doesn't have a shlita there's still on a technical on i guess on a more practical level this because to be able to access this part of the person is not simple, and it's not always available. It's not always available. In other words, it's not like a person could operate, you know, 24 hours a day on the level of Pneumius Halev, at least not the ordinary, the ordinary person. So when there is the Gilu Nekudas Halev, he says, Now here itself, we're going to see that there's two phases. And this becomes a little subtle and dakuzdik. Little Solomon, I'm not sure we, you know, we have to master Mamish every prat here, but there's a distinction now between Ha'aras Gili Nekudasalev and Gili Atzmus Nekudasalev, a projection of the state of the heart, and that the essence of the state of the heart emerges. So we learned, he says, that when uh, there's a Gili Ha'aras Nekudasalev, what happens is the Levushim of Machshava Dibra Maisa can be transformed because the enemy will not dominate. The koiches of the nefesh kiss we learned about pizur ha-nefesh, the soul is scattered, will be retrieved and brought back to their core. The person will be liberated from their kafakela. This is with kibbutz golius and yin and the Now he continues. Ach. The line starts, ach. You see, in the, close to the beginning of Perigimel. Ach, I don't know, from uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like 12 lines from the top of mamash. For there to be not ha'oras gili nekudasalev, which means a ray of the revelation of nekudasalev, but to there be gili atzmus nekudasalev mamash versus ha'oras nekudasalev. There's nekudasalev being projected, and then there's the core of nekudasalev. In its core, which transforms not only the levushim of the middays, but the middays themselves 
Here you come to the next stage in the Pasuk. You see a beautiful woman in Shivya and you take her for a wife. That's the next step where you have not Gilui Ha'aras Nekudas but Gilui Atzmos Nekudas Everything, there's the Ha'ara and the Etzem. The Etzem is what it is. The Ha'ara is how it's perceived. Ha'ara means light, Ur. What does light accomplish? It allows me to see things. Physically, if there's darkness in a room, you could be sitting here, I don't see you. You don't see me, I can't see the safer, I can't see the table. What does Ur allow? Ur allows for any object in the world to be able to be seen. What does this mean on a more subtle, symbolic, or conceptual level? Ur is the experience of everything, the way it's experienced by the other, by the one outside. Your Ur means that of you which I know. Your Ur is what we call your reputation, your light, your projection, the way I see you, the way I experience you. And what I experience of you is true. We're not talking about somebody who's lying, but it's never the etzim, it's never the core. Even you have what's in yourself. Do you know yourself? Huh? Another person. Or even yourself. Do you know who you are? Or do you think you know who you are? Right? The way, the way we process ourselves is we have to process who we are. So the moment we process who we are, it's already not who we are, because it's the way who we are is being processed. But who is pro- doing the processing? The one who's doing the processing defines what they're processing. You understand that, right? You understand what I said? The one who's doing the processing, that defines what you're processing. <laughs> because the Kaylee that you use to detect reality, that will define the reality. In our metaphor that we once spoke, if the holes in the net are four inches and you lower them into the lake, you lower the net into the lake, you're not going to pick up a goldfish that is smaller than four inches. Not because there's no goldfish. Because your net is made up of holes and each hole is four inches long and four inches in the breadth. And therefore, you cannot expect this net to detect anything that doesn't fit into its reality. Isn't this how we all live? Everyone has a net. And we walk around with this net hopping people. Chopping fish, right? We chop fish with it. We chop people. We define people. We judge people. The first one is your wife. The second one is your kids. The third one, or maybe the first one, before the first one is yourself, your mother, your father, your brothers, and then, of course, the larger, larger society. But I'm always using my net. I don't have anything else to use. I'm using my processes to define you. So even if I'm being as accurate as I can, and you're being as open as you can, it's still the oir. Oir is always the way I experience you. And by definition, there's diluted. It becomes diluted. It becomes compromised. And it's even how you experience yourself. You define yourself based on how you know to define yourself. You have a story with which you define yourself. How does one get in touch with etzem? The transition from light to etzem, from oir to etzem, is a very, very profound one. And not a simple one. Here he makes the same distinction. There's Ha'aras Nekudas Alev and there's Atzmius Nekudas Alev. Ha'aras Nekudas Alev is the maiden Nekudas Alev is emerging in the human psyche, emerging in the, in the heart of the Jew. And that itself is very powerful. It's very powerful. It's the nuclear energy being emitted, emerging. But then there is the nuclear plant in its core, the Etzim Nekudas Alev. He says this 
doesn't only transform machshava debaromaisa. This transforms atzmi is hamidos meralatayv. Al zanemar bereisa vashivya eishes yifas toyan. Now here there is a very long footnote or comment, Hagah, explanation from the Tzemach Tzedek, the grandson of the Balatanya, his daughter's son, very long, from the first parentheses until four lines from the bottom, where the parentheses ends. And this is a very Kabbalistically, uh, Kabbalistically inclined comment where he's trying, as usual, to show the distinction his grandfather is making between the Aras Nekudas Lev and Atzmi's Nekudas Alev in Kabbalistic sources, what it means exactly, using a lot of Kabbalah Lashonis. So we're going to go after the parentheses. We start so for Bir Three lines from the bottom. What's Eishas Yifas Toyar? A woman. Yifas she has a beautiful countenance. That's why. She has such appeal in war, and the soldier wants this isha. And this, the Torah goes into a whole process, a very interesting mitzvah, an interesting mitzvah, quite a unique mitzvah. As she says, Dibra Torah can negate Sahara. In war, people are very, very, uh, very tense, a lot of energy, a lot of death, a lot of blood, etc. So he sees he's in war. Shavisa Shivya, he captures prisoners of war. And one of the people that was captured is Aisha Sifas Toyar, and he wants her as a wife. Chashaktaba, a whole story. She says, Toyar, Inyan Mashakas of Nasa Adam Betzalmenu Kidmusen. We speak about Toyar, his visage, image, Toyar. <coughs> Pasik says, Hashem says, let's make man in our image, Betzalmenu Kidmusen. Hashem created Adam B'tzalmi in his image. It's obviously redundant. The answer is connected. Because the human being operates on two levels. There's B'tzalmi and there's B'tzalmi. Hashem created man in his image. And then he also created man in the image of God. It's not the same man. There's two One is the neshama that is enclosed and expanded and invested in the body. This is a neshama that evolves. It descends. It goes through a cosmic evolution. From one state to another state. The Pesach says, It begins with my honor, with my energy. I created, I formed, and I made. But there's another state of neshama that remains above. It does not descend through an evolutionary process and becomes manifested in a conscious way within the body. It remains lamayla, remains above. We call it makif, which literally means surrounds or peripheral or transcendent. It's not mislabish. It's not enclosed and manifested in the body at all. V'nikra b'shem mazel. Beloshen Razal. Afal Gav, the Iu Loichazi, Maz Loichazi, spoke about this also in the Maim of Ayyadabir, of Parshish Bamid, we learned Shavuos time. Mazel Chazal called this his Mazel. The Gemara says in Megillah, Afal Gav, the Iu Loichazi, sometimes he doesn't see it, his Mazel sees it. Which Mazel, huh? That was Daniel. Daniel, right. The Gemara says in Megillah about Daniel that he saw 
but the people with him did not see. For the Gemara, why did they tremble? And for the Gemara, What's the connection? Noizel means a flow. Right? Noizel, Maya. Mazel means he's mazel, he's mafil. He creates the flow. Mazel When we say there's an ashama that remains above, it doesn't mean it remains above. It's a hundred thousand light years away, and you're going to find it there. Above means not in spatial terms. Above means in spiritual terms. Above means it's not felt in the conscious parameters of your body. In other words, there's the self that I could identify. And there's the self that I can't identify because the goof is not experiencing that level of neshama because that level of neshama does not limit itself to the particular organs of the body. In other words, there's the pchin of the neshama that when you speak about I, this is the I that I identify. Everyone has an I. That's the level of neshama that's milubush. It's manifested, it's expressed in the body and through the body. But there's another state of soul, there's another state of neshama that doesn't go through an evolution. It doesn't go through this descent. It doesn't trickle down and restrict itself and limit itself to the individual limitations of the body. It remains above, above in the sense, we cannot access it on a conscious level. It's the superconscious of the soul, which is there, but it's called lamaila, it's called makif, and yet it's mazel. Mazel means it's not just detached. Your mazel feels something means that there could be a trickle. There's an energy that comes from that neshama to the neshama in the body. So sometimes a person has a certain feeling, a certain instinct, a certain sensation, a certain awareness, a certain desires. They don't know where it came from. Nothing happened. Nobody taught them anything. But there was a communication between the neshama higher than the guf, the neshama that is beyond the limitations of the guf, to the part of the neshama that is in the guf, because it's really one neshama. It's just one we, we experience and one we don't experience. It's really one soul. It's not, it's not that there's a split personality. So he says, Vayivre elikim esa'adam betsalmoi, betsalmoi. And then there's betsalam elikim. Betsalmoi means it's his own image. That's one level of neshama. Betsalam elikim, that's another image. That's another level of neshama. Vihine ah. As a person opens themselves up more and expands their vessels, they can experience more and more of that pchinas mazel. In other words, what was yesterday mazel can today become internalized. What's tomorrow mazel, what's today mazel can tomorrow become internalized. And so the process continues. But there's always aspects of it that remain above. Maybe when that person got the uh, report from the doctor, he has two months to live, it blew away the the Chitzonius part, and now also he could of course. touch with the Etzim. And that's, that's why the addiction could... Let's understand. Addiction is feeding a void. The void always comes from the fact that I don't recognize my perfection my beauty, my infinite dignity. The moment a person becomes in touch with their infinite dignity, the addiction doesn't do anything for them. It's destructive. I don't need it. Why would I be dependent on the devil? Why? I'm dependent on the devil because I need the devil to survive or to soothe my pain 
or to distract me from myself. The moment you become aware of who you are, you're Nikuda Salev, there's no Oyev anymore. We become addicted to things, big or small, call it addiction, call it other things. The word addiction is used a little too much here in this class. So I'm going to become a 12-step program, which may not be a bad idea. He says it is a 12-step program. There's only one problem. I do the talking. It's not a 12-step program. It's for you. will start doing the talking. It's for me. Okay, very good. I do have to thank the selflessness and generosity of all my dear friends who come every morning for me to do programs. It's your addiction or my addiction, or both addictions. Everybody's feeding their addiction. Okay, so we actually need a program. We actually need a program. Huh? But you understand what I'm saying? Use this word or use that word. It's responding to trauma. It's responding to void. It's responding to something you didn't get. It's responding to something you need, you desperately need. The moment you can identify a part of you that is very, very in touch with the source of reality, and you could recognize that godless, that infinity, that you are a particle of infinity or a ray of the divine, which is what Nekudas Halev is, it's the Lekus of the Nefesh. So why would I sell my time, my brain, my habits to, to su- certain substances, which at best are you know just meaningless and at worst are absolutely destructive destructive for physical well-being and certainly and also for emotional well-being so the more that's why it becomes alayvech i understand so yes now usually when a person is faced with great moments of life that remove the regular distractions they have the luxury to go into a deeper place to see what really really matters Usually we don't have to think what really matters. We don't have to think about it. Go make a regular interview with most people, people who live functional lives more or less, and ask them, what's the most important thing to you? So most people will tell you, of course, to live. Ask them, where does health rank? Where does health rank in, in your priorities? And it'll be quite on the top. Quite on the top, because without health, what do you have? Now ask them, how much percent of your day is dedicated <laughs> to nurture your health? You know what the answer is going to be. So are they crazy? They put it on top of the list. On top of the list. Money will be much lower on the list. But suddenly it's 18 hours money, right? And four minutes when they walk from here to upstairs, that's the exercise. So what happened? But it's the top priority. The answer is they're not lying. We're not in touch with ourselves. We're not in touch with our priorities. We're not in touch with our highest vows. We're not. Why aren't we? We can afford not to be. <laughs> we can afford not to be. The moment the person can't afford not to be in touch, because right? So suddenly they're like, this? This is not me. It's not what I really care about. So everything shifts. The question is, can a person do this, not out of duress, but out of conscious decision? from a place of freedom, from a place of prosperity, not from a place of, of, of mitzuka. So the more a person gets in touch with this second neshama, that's lamayla mehaguf, right, the mazel becomes internalized. So what he's going to say now, he says, this pechina is called yifas toyar. Why yifas toyar? 
ששושם מבחינת לכו השם הגדולה והגבורה והתפארס. שהתפארס הוא עניין יופי, הנה יופי דוי יפי דוידי שהשירים. יפס תויאריס, ונשמה of a person in its core because it's completely reflective of לכו השם הגדולה והגבורה והתפארס, תפארס is splendor beauty, it's called יפס תויאר. ובחינס הנשמה שבתוך הגוף, נקרא אשס יפס תויאר, שמקבל מיפס תויאר. יפס תויאר is the נשמה itself, the מזל, אשס יפס תויאר is the wife who is married to the יפס תויאר, so to speak. Literally, in Pshat, Eishis Yifas Toyar is a woman who's beautiful. Here he teaches, it's two aspects of the self. Yifas Toyar is the Neshama. Eishis Yifas Toyar is the wife of the Yifas Toyar. In other words, the Neshama that's in your body, which is Makabal, its whole identity is really just a little trickle, a little reflection of the superconscious soul that becomes Eishis Yifas Toyar. Now when the person is going out to war, they discover, as we shall see, the Eishis Yifas Toyar. And they have a tremendous love, and this is going to be the continuation of the description. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.